0: everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host, and that's B as in boy, I-double-Z-A-double-R-O. And today I have with us Snack Attack Specialty Sandwiches and Brews out of Fort Collins, Colorado, and representing them is Lauren Storby. How are you?
1: I'm great. How are you doing tonight?
0: I'm doing great. So, Lauren, tell us about sort of your history. I know you and your husband own uh, snack attack we'll just call it snack attack for short since I love the name but tell us sort of sure. your journey I mean even how you met each other but what led you to opening up your own restaurant and you know being a food entrepreneur
1: yeah so um you know we so we met in California I actually grew up in the food industry my parents had a restaurant when I was really young so you kind of in my blood, and um, Sean and I met in California. He was in the Marine Corps for nine and a half years, and we met in Southern California, and it was just something that we had always talked about doing. We always, you know, it was one of those dream situations where it was like, yeah, one day we'll have a sandwich and beer shop. Um, We both love really good food. We love really good beer. We love sandwiches and beer. And um, as you know, California, the housing market. couple years ago just kind of got a little out of control but it was really good for us we ended up selling our home I was in the apparel industry I was working in the apparel industry for about 12 years had our son and I just I couldn't go back to corporate work I could not go work for somebody else knowing how hard I work knowing how hard my husband works and we had just decided, you know what, we're going to do it. This is the time. This is our opportunity. If we're going to do it, let's do it while our son is young. And he really, like our son, is really the basis of why we're doing Snack Attack is basically we wanted to create a future for him. We wanted to create a better life for him. I wanted to be home with him more. So we sold our home. We jump ship out of California. We had actually never been to Fort Collins and we moved here with our stuff in our U-Haul. That was the first time we had gotten to Fort Collins and thankfully we loved it. You know, we we googled it and it was exactly what we were looking for and we knew that it was a foodie town, we knew that it was a beer town and we just there was just something that was pointing us in this direction. So we uh, moved here to back to Colorado um just about two and a half years ago and we set up shop within six months and um, it's kind of funny that we're doing this this right now because we are just about to hit our industry next Wednesday.
0: And so I mean why sandwiches?
1: everybody loves sandwiches sandwiches are so freaking good like I don't know I think that I mean I could have a sandwich every single day I could have a salad or a wrap and that's what we specialize in our handcrafted salads sandwiches and wraps and then pairing it with a really good local craft beer and it's just the perfect combo you get your vegetables you get your proteins you get Your carbs, you get all the flavors, and you can do so many different things with um, specifically our menu because you can take a sandwich, you could take a snack, turn it into a wrap. So even if you have your favorite item, you can switch it up and um, kind of make it a new item.
0: Okay. And then Um, The beer, obviously, are you guys fans of beer, microbreweries, and things like that? Because I noticed you have a lot of that on your menu as well.
1: Yeah, so we partner, you know, we primarily focus on local craft beer, and I'm not sure what you know about Fort Collins, but it is like the Napa Valley of craft brewing. There's, I think at this point, over 25 local craft brews. Um, New Belgium is based here, Odell is based here, and... You know, when we decided to do this, we knew that we wanted to keep it local. We wanted to keep um, everything, you know, within, for sure, Colorado. So we have a lot of Fort Collins beers, but we also have beers that are sourced all the way as far far away as Denver. We have one cider that comes out of Seattle, but other than that, everything is Colorado-based, and there's just so much good beer up here that you almost, you really don't even have to source outside of Colorado because there's already so many options. Um, Right now we have 12 beers on tap and then we have additional 30 in cans and bottles.
0: And so, okay, so you've started the business. I mean, you, you've, you've had to pick a space, you had to design it. um, You had to sort of model it in, a way that fit for you guys. So how did you go about that and and how did you find a space?
1: So we, you know, right when we moved here, uh, we moved here January 3rd in the middle of a giant blizzard and we got work right away. We started looking at spaces. um, We looked at a couple options of where we would have to do a full build out. And as you know, that is extremely expensive. And, you know, some other options just fell through for us. We we did come across a space that was an old Red Robin Burger Works, and it just was perfect for us. the The Red Robin Burger Works was not there for very long, so it was in really good condition. It was the perfect size space that we needed. It was located well; it is located in the middle of um, of of for, uh, Foco. We call it Fort Collins in Midtown, right on the main street, which is uh, College Avenue. And we have full visibility. We had space to expand into a patio. And we just, we fell in love with it. It was bright. Um, Basically, both sides of our restaurant are full windows. So we get lots of fresh light. Um, It's super bright. It's really clean. It's really fresh looking. So we had kind of, we had actually looked at different space. And then we looked across the street and we were like, what's that over there? And we went, checked it out. Um, you know, we put our information in, basically forced the people to look at our, our uh, business plan and decided, you know what, this is our concept is going to be perfect because we're located just not even a mile south of CSU, Colorado State University. So, you know, our concept is really great for all ages. So we, you know, we don't focus on the college kids, but it's, we're definitely accessible to them. Um, we do focus our business on working family or young families, working professionals, um, business people. We do have a really great older um, market that comes in as well. So we wanted to be central. We wanted a place that we could grow into and uh, we knew we had to be visible too considering this is a fresh concept you know this is everything from the ground up from my husband and I so, we knew we had to be in front of people and it it was just the perfect location for us.
0: And so, um, I want to pause there. So tell the audience where they can find you, uh, the address of your business, uh, where they can find you on social media and what your website is as well.
1: Sure. So we are located right in midtown of Fort Collins, right on college Avenue. We are on the cross streets of college Avenue and Stewart street. And um, our actual physical address is 120 West Stewart Street. We are located underneath this big apartment building. So you really can't miss us. We've got three giant signs. And um, as far as all of our social media, you can find us at It on Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. And our website is www.snackattackit attack com.
0: And so I love this. So in my, in my mind, a uh, red Robin is a pretty big restaurant location for you guys. And so is it, is it one of the original ones that was a smaller size? I think red Robin was founded in Colorado, if I'm not mistaken, but, uh, and I could oh. be wrong, but, um, which I may be, but it was it is a, a big restaurant. So in my mind I'm imagining this is a pretty large endeavor you guys took on for your first try.
1: Yeah, no, so it's not it's not the original concept of Red Robin. It was a Red Robin Burger Works, which was their quick casual concept that as far as I know, most of the stores did close. I think there's a couple that are still open, but it was their quick casual limited service concept that um it's a it's a smaller model so it's like counter service so for us it's you know perfect size it was not the big red robins that you're probably thinking of
0: and so okay so you fit the space out so how did you guys choose what was going to go on your menu i love the name of your sandwiches so that my first question actually is going to be what's your favorite sandwich on your menu
1: Oh my goodness! So yeah, we get that asked like every day. What's your favorite thing? I I love the turkey melty. Um, I change it up a little bit though. I turn it into a wrap, and lately I've been adding strawberries to it with honey mustard, and I eat that almost every single day right now. Um, that's definitely one of my favorite menu items. I love our salads. We have a really great salad menu. Our chomper salad is amazing. Um, and as far as our menu items, we decided we wanted a little bit of everything. So we wanted to take a lot of the classics that, you know, people are going to gravitate towards like your French dip, um, a regular just Turkey cheese, avocado sandwich, a, uh, cordon bleu sandwich, a Buffalo chicken style sandwich, but put our own twist on it. And we wanted each of our menu items to have a lot of flavor. And then also have a lot of nutrition added to it. So our whole concept is, you know, eating really good food, good for you. And then it also tastes really good too. So we're creating this craving that you come in for the first time and you're, you're going to be like, Oh man, that was so freaking good. That was the best sandwich I've ever had. And then usually about 90% of the time we see our customers coming back the next day or the day after saying, that was the best sandwich I've ever had. I was craving it, and I was all I was thinking about, and, um, and they come back within, you
0: know, a day or two days. Well, and I love this. I'm going to have to come up there and try it because sandwiches is my favorite food, actually. I love making sandwiches. I love eating sandwiches, and I'm always about, there's got to be a lot of meat-to-bread ratio for a sandwich. That's why I like wraps so much. I think it's just so cool, but I do like bread. Um, it's going to be my right. downfall, but it's... It's an interesting thing because people really do like sandwiches and are attracted to them, and it gives them a lot of comfort. So in your concept, you're sourcing everything locally. And so you guys started the restaurant. You had just moved to Colorado looking for a space, find a space. I mean, then you've got to go and find what is actually local to Colorado. How did you go about that? Right. So
1: not not all of our ingredients are local we did you know we are we originally started with a local food distributor we are still partly with them um our produce is local depending on the season um but we tried so many different breads and not all of our bread is local because we have a high standard as far as food quality goes um you know if you do come in or if you look on our menu you're going to pay probably nine to ten dollars for a sandwich but that means you're getting a lot of meat on it. You're getting a lot of vegetables and you're getting a top tier bread. So we do source our bread through a food distributor that does come from Nebraska. And we also use Head meats and cheeses. So we do have a local distributor, but as you know, Head originated in New York. Um, but out in California, Head was like the, it was the meat and cheese company. And it's funny out here. Not a lot of people know how good of a brand it is. But you can definitely taste the difference between any other type of deli meat. They don't cut corners. It is definitely a top quality meat and cheese. And we actually freshly slice our meats and cheeses every day. We freshly cut our vegetables every day. And um, we don't have a freezer. We don't have a fryer. We don't have a microwave. So all of our menu items are made to order extremely fresh. And you can definitely taste the difference.
0: And so how much of this experience, so you mentioned you grew up in a restaurant and your, your parents were entrepreneurial. So obviously that's been passed on to you as, and we hear it so much on this podcast that, you know, I'd say 85 to 90% of the people that are food entrepreneurs come from a family of entrepreneurs, which is an interesting thing, but how much of Mm -hmm. it has carried over for you and, and how much of what you did then or learned from your parents is now part of what you're doing now?
1: It's a good question. Um, yeah. So my parents, it's kind of funny. I was actually born in Colorado. I was born in Bale and we moved to California when I was four and they moved to California and opened up a little sandwich, like a little bar top sandwich, um, much, much smaller than what we're doing. But it was the kind of the same concept. It was just fresh food. It was um, this was like when turkey burgers weren't even a thing. My mom was making turkey burgers, fresh baked brownies, a special salad. Um, their restaurant was called Holes, which I will loop back in later down the show. Um, but just growing up around it and seeing my parents work extremely hard for their money and, um, knowing they didn't want to work for other people. They wanted to work for themselves. They wanted, you know, to keep... To keep uh, the time with the family as much as they could, and through my college years, my high school college years, I had always worked in restaurants. Um, there's just something very special about it. I think it takes a certain type of personality, a certain t- type of person, to enjoy, um, you know, dealing with customers and um, doing more of the manual labor kind of stuff and creating and serving and Um, For me, I really like being able to turn someone's day around. You know, they come in or maybe not having a great day, come in and cheer them up. And there you go. They're having a a great day as they leave. But as I went through high school and college, you know, I did all different parts of the restaurant industry. I had had never managed. I had never owned. I had never opened besides uh, with a corporate restaurant. Um, and I, you know, I worked corporate and then I did an um, entrepreneurial thing. I actually had a clothing line shortly after I graduated college and I just realized, you know, I think this is where my heart is. This is where I want to put my energy. You know, when you're a hard, hard worker and then you realize you're working extremely hard for somebody else and you're not reaping the benefits. I think that's kind of when you decide to make that choice for yourself and your family, whether you're going to keep working for the man or you're going to go and work for yourself
0: no i agree with that 100 percent. it's certainly why i do it i don't i don't follow instruction very well from anyone other than myself so there is that but i want to ask neither you based does, on oh, sorry say that again
1: i said neither does my husband
0: <laughs> yeah so <laughs> i guess that's probably interesting for your relationship which i i want to definitely get into because i'm sure there's dynamics being a husband and wife and running a business but My first question before we get into that is, I mean, what are the things you really enjoy about your business and and being an entrepreneur?
1: Um, I really enjoy being able to spend time, you know, work for myself, but also being able to say, you know what? Okay. It's kind of slow. I'm going to go home. I'm going to go pick up my son early. Um, deciding you kind of call the shots right so you get to set things up the way that you want to do them Um, you are able to perfect processes and you're able to keep control of standards Um, for me I worked in the corporate industry for a long time in restaurants as well and I gained a lot of my knowledge from that experience but I was able to bring that along with me so I've worked i worked in some family-owned restaurants, and it's like, oh, you could do things so much better. You could do things so much easier. They don't want to listen. So being able to apply what I had learned previously, I think that's really amazing. Um, I love being able to see our customers on a daily basis. I love catching up with our regulars. I love um, seeing people's faces for the, when they come in for the first time. And you can always spot when it's a customer for the first time. And, you know, our dining room is, is really open, so you can you can see people, you can see their reactions, and watching you know their facial expressions and their body language as they try one of our sandwiches or salads for the first time. You see, like they take a bite and they're like nodding. You can see them nodding to their friend, like oh dang, this is so good. So those are the kinds of things that bring me joy, um, and I actually really do enjoy working with my husband. Um, we are a family establishment, so being able to bring our son in and You know, having that flexibility of, you know, I need to have this day off. I don't have to answer to anybody. All those things definitely go into uh, the joys of being uh, a restaurant owner and an entrepreneur.
0: And so that being said, what are the things you like the least?
1: Ooh, well, um, let's see. Uh, Staffing is tough. I think that's probably one of our biggest challenges. We go through waves of having a really great staff. And then, of course, you know, you don't have control over people's lives. And we do hire, you know, some younger kids that are just coming out of college or they're just getting through college. So, you know, when you do have a good employee and they want to take on another opportunity, that's always hard, even though you want them, you know, you want them to, to go fly and soar and, and you're happy for them. but going through the training process of bringing people back on and getting people back up to par, back up to our standards and our level of expectations. Um, Another part that is a little frustrating sometimes are, you know, dealing with the food distributors. Um, We do have two right now because, as you know, it's a pricing game and you don't always have control over pricing. Um, You know, we do live in this international market, especially with produce. So not having control over Mother Nature and what she throws your way with, uh, you know, flooding in California and it rises the price of tomatoes or something's going on at the border or avocados are on avocado pickers are on strike. So your avocado pricing goes through the roof. It's the things that you don't have control over. I think that's the hardest
0: now because of that do you i mean do you change your menu often i mean do you adjust your menu to those hardships or it's something like no i have the staples everyone loves them i just got to sort of ride out the pricing and the price is the price on the sandwich i mean because I know in, in in our business, like, we literally have to stay on top of it and, and really identify it and really evaluate things about every three months on the pricing and what products we're offering, not only because of seasonality, but because of exactly what you're talking about. Fuel prices and, you know, milk prices or vegetable prices, depending on exactly what you said, natural disasters.
1: Right. Yeah, we do. You know, luckily, our food distributors are very proactive about it if they see something coming up like we here we had that avocado issue um it got to the point where we were absorbing the cost you know the avocados i think they tripled in price at one point and we did come to the point where it was like either we take the avocados off the menu and people are going to have to actually pay extra or you know we go to a different option whether it's a, a different type of avocado spread Um, but we did actually absorb the cost for a long time and, and luckily we were able to get through that. Um, but yeah, we are looking, we're, you know, my husband does the ordering every couple of days and he is looking at the pricing on a day-to-day basis. Um, sometimes we have to just reduce the amount of tomatoes that we're putting on a sandwich instead of three, we're going to do two. So at least they're still getting something without having to raise the price. Um, but at this point in the last two years, we have not had to actually change our menu yet.
0: Well, I think that's awesome. And I think that exactly I don't think people realize, and one of the reasons I asked is because I was assuming the answer. but the thing is is you're exactly right. I mean the person doing the purchasing and doing all the procurement has to stay on top of the prices on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And often it's hard to remain loyal to just one distributor or one company or one farm or whatever it is because of the pricing and the fluctuations and nature. Like you're dealing with nature and you're dealing with things that are out of your control and markets and hedging of fruits and vegetables and and things like that that go on. So, you know, I think it's important. Um, which brings me to my next question, since you discussed your husband, he's in doing the procurement. I mean, sort of what are each of your roles in the business, and, and how did you decide what they were, and, and I mean, and how do you guys work together? I mean, it's, it's obviously a, a, an additional part to a relationship, being entrepreneurs together and business partners.
1: It is. It is a very interesting dynamic. Um, we knew going into this, it was going to be hard. We knew that, you know, we were, we were going to butt heads at at certain points. We're both very passionate, committed, dedicated, hardworking people. So, you know, I would never choose a different business partner, but there were times where it was like, okay, we got to learn how to deal with each other because we both are very type A. We're both hard workers. So, um, when we did set up the business, we decided Sean was going to take care of all the operations and the back of the house. And then I was going to take care of the front of the house and branding, marketing, all that other, um, I guess, more fun stuff. Um, but he was, he was in the Marine Corps for nine and a half years and he has a very operational driven mind. So, you know, the saying work hard work, work, what is it? Work better, not harder. You know that saying.
0: I absolutely know <laughs> We're that saying. Smart
1: or not, that was that's work smarter, not harder. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. You no, know, being more efficient and um, using more common sense out of it. And like I said, him and I have never we had never worked together before. He had been in food before, working in grocery stores and working at like Burger King at a young age and Caribou Coffee. Um, but neither of us had the operational background besides. Just using common sense and um, having the front end experience of customer service side of it. So, you know, our first couple of months, I mean, we still nailed it right when, you know, when we opened our first six months were still very successful, but it just takes time for you to figure out your flow. It takes time for you to figure out what's the best, easiest way to do it. Obviously, to reduce all of your food, you know, your waste, your food waste, um, how, you know, how, how much faster you can work, how much more efficiently you can work. And every time we have a new employee, we're always telling them, you know, there's a reason why we do things this way. It's not just because it's a random reason. It's because it just makes more sense. It's going to be faster. Um, it's going to be more productive, uh, less waste. So when we did, um, when we did, we set up stack Attack. Sean was going to take the back end. I was going to take the front end and, Um, We do cross over every now and then I do kind of leave him up to the final say on a lot of things but if there are times where I just I really believe in something I stick to my guns and we somehow work it out
0: Well, I would say because I work with my significant other as well deborah and um, It can be the one of the things is stress in work matched with stress at home is double the stress which is One, getting through it together is pretty cool, but at the same time, it does double down. But I I agree with exactly what you said. It's it's hard when you have two type A personalities trying to run a business, but you need those type A personalities in order to be entrepreneurs, in my opinion, to be successful and have the drive and the motivation and the fortitude to get through it. And so you have to figure out how to work through it together. And sometimes it is sticking to the guns and and one person's more stubborn than the other. And it's just a matter of working through it because at the end of the day, you're both trying to make your business successful. And at the end of the day, you're both trying to make your family successful. And, you know, so it's just one of those things that you, you just have to keep that in mind. So I love that you brought that up. Now, I want to talk about the employee thing a little bit, but did you want to say something on that topic? Oh,
1: I was just going to say, no, you nailed it. I mean, in order to have a successful business, you have to be on point. And then, if you've got two people that are trying to be on point, of course, you're going to butt heads. But, you know, it comes down to we're both so extremely passionate about this. And, you know, like I said, we left everything. I mean, we sold our home, we picked up our lives, we moved to a place where we had never been. So it was like, we have to make this work. And it's either this breaks or that breaks, but it always came back to, this is really about our son and setting up a future for him and setting up the rest of our lives. And I think holding on to that, you know, going back to that goal of we gave up everything, we're gonna make this work. Um, and yeah, it is the first year is extremely, extremely stressful. But I also think you know if you have a really strong relationship um, knowing how to work with each other and work around these um, boundaries and then understanding where those boundaries are, um, I think, you know, that's what has got us to this point. So I, I do feel very fortunate to, to have gotten, you know, gotten to this point and to still be in a happy marriage. You know, I don't think that a lot of people can say that.
0: No, I definitely agree with that. I think that when people are business partners, they can cause stress and not everyone makes it through it, especially when it's combined with their stress at home. So I think I'm, I'm happy for you guys, honestly, and it makes me happy to hear that there is examples like you guys out there for anyone that's listening in that is an entrepreneur or working with a spouse or a significant other. It's one of those things where there's other people out there going through this and they figure out a way to make it work and they figure out a way to turn everything into positive and and look at it in a positive manner. Like you said, you gave up everything. So why not make it work? Why not do it? And because what's the, the other side of it, it's not making it work. It's failing. And who wants to do that? Why not just succeed together and, and figure it out together and take the risk together and enjoy the rewards together. And so on that note, like, how do you motivate your employees? I mean, you talked a little bit about how, you know, you, you train the employees and this is how you do it and stuff like that. But how do you motivate them? How do you keep them interested? Because in the food business, as we all know, employee turnover is pretty big. You you train someone and then they're out the door. and, And like you said, they have things that go on in their lives. But how do you manage all of that?
1: Yeah. So that's another great question. So we do, we try and give our employees, uh, you know, just benefits that not as far as like medical benefits, but, you know, offering them incentives to help us promote our business. So one example would be, we've got free beer cards. So for those that are 21 and even if they're not 21, then we exchange it instead of like a beer. We'll give them like a sandwich. So we give them our free beer cards. They give them to their friends. We put their names on the beer cards when they come in. When they, their friend comes in with the name of our employee on the beer card, we'll give them a free beer or you know a free sandwich or something like that. So it motivates them to get a free product. Um, we do offer discounts on food when they work. So they get half off on their food. Um, They get 20% off their food when they come in on a day that they are not working. Um, We give them, you know, we we work with a lot of local breweries and the breweries, they drop off uh, swag, they drop off, you know, t-shirts, that kind of stuff. So we hand that out to our employees as well. Um, But we do a lot of really fun community events, which is a big part of what has made us so successful is we we do like a yoga in the park and we do run clubs and we do wine glass painting nights and um, let's say a macrame hanging plant class. So we do encourage them to come in on their time off on their days off just to be part of the group and be part of the community. But I also do think it also stems in creating a, a positive working environment. So, you know, if you come into our restaurant on one of our walls, it says goodbyes only," and, we always say this as, as they're going through training. So always say, you know, check your baggage at the door. That's something, if you got some other stuff going on, leave it outside the door. Cause this is kind of like a happy place. This is where we want people to come when they are having a bad day to come in, knowing that they're going to have a good time, that it's good vibes only. And uh, we've got some, you know, great music going on. We've got happy customer service. Um, and I think that's a big part of, getting employees to stay is creating that good, positive work environment.
0: Okay. And now my next question on that, because you talked a little bit about the community events and I want to get into that, but I want to ask the major question because I love what you do on social media and I love the videos and I love your enthusiasm, which makes it the happy place you were just talking about because you're portraying that on social media, which attracts people to, to your restaurant, which also, is true to your culture that you're creating there. So tell me about the marketing and advertising and, and sort of how you go about it, because I love how enthusiastic you are about it in, in your videos and, and what you do on social media. It portrays such excitement and happiness and joy and just the thrill of, of being at your restaurant.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, so Snack Attack is, is really... This brainchild of who Sean and I are. You know, we um, were active people. We love meeting people. We love um, entertaining people. And it's just funny that you say that because I decided to take. on I, I studied merchandise marketing in college, but I never really held a position in merchandise marketing, and I never was like a social media person. But it was something that I, I'm like, I could do this. I could I could take this branding. I can take this marketing and I can create this, you know, this culture. Um, And it's really just a portrayal of who we are and, you know, doing these community events and setting up run clubs and doing yoga in the park. I actually teach the yoga in the park. I'm a certified yoga teacher as well. And I just want people to experience things and really just to live their best lives. I mean, there's, a lot of restaurants where people can go to and for people to choose us, you know, we had moved here and we had, we didn't know anybody. So we really had to hit the social media hard as far as portraying what snack attack is. And, you know, at first glance, you see snack attack, you don't see specialty sandwiches and brews. So we do battle with the the customers coming in that only see snack attack and they only think that we do snacks or, junk food kind of stuff, but we're really trying to uh, change the mentality around snacks being junk, you know, snack attack is that hunger feeling that you have. It's that lifestyle of I, I just went for a good run and now I'm freaking starving and I want something really good. I want it to taste good, but I want it to be good for me. So, you know, we, that's why we do the high quality ingredients. But going back to the whole social media part of it, it's, I run all the social media. I post sometimes two, three times a day. Um, we always have so much going on that I just want to spread the message. I want people to know, you know, what's going on and all these fun things because we're not just a restaurant. We're a little bit of like a tap house. We're a little bit of a, you know, we're a sandwich bar, but we also do these really fun community events. So, um, just creating this culture of, just being a happy, fun place to
0: come to. Well, and I love that. I think that it really is portrayed in in what you guys are doing. And I see you do all sorts of fun events and like game nights and things like that to to keep people in there and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. So how do you, I mean, once people are in, obviously now you have a customer that's in front of you, but how do you keep them coming back? I mean, how do you make sure that they have that good time that you're trying to get them to have?
1: Yeah, so I think there's a lot of, I mean, there's a couple major points that you have to hit as a restaurant. So just getting them in the door is the hardest part, right? So you're out there, you're advertising yourself, you're marketing yourself. So that first step, I'm Sean and I do a lot of really like on the ground kind of stuff. And it's not like it, we're going out of our way. It's if we're out at a brewery and we've got some free beer cards, we make conversation with people and we say, hey, have you been in the snack attack yet? Hey, here's some free beer cards, come in and give us a try. I mean, we do some smaller advertising, couponing kind of stuff, but what we've realized is that us talking to people and, and making a one-on-one relationship, that's what's going to get people in the door. It's the word of mouth that's been the most successful part of it, along with the social media being you know, part of conversations on social media. That's going to get people in the door. And then as far as getting people to come back to customer retention, you have to hit your, your food quality has to be like top notch in Fort Collins. Like it has to be perfect every single time. So you've got your food quality. You've got your customer service. Customer service has to be a hundred percent for like the first four times people come in and then just having an environment that is fresh and bright and welcoming and, Um, different. I mean, that's kind of, you know, you have to hit all these different parts that that's going to get the people in that's going to get the people to come back Um, in doing it, you know, at least three times in a row, four times in a row, our goal is to do it every single time. But as you know, you cannot, you cannot win everybody. Someone's going to get you on a bad day. Somebody's going to, there's going to be a misperception of some point. Um, you know, we we deal with we don't really deal with angry customers, but we deal with people that just got us on the wrong day or the wrong time or didn't tell us that there was something wrong with their order. You know, we'd be happy to always fix the order, but we we also need to know if it was wrong. But I do think you know customer retention is so important these days, and it's not just the rewards programs or the buy, you know, come in with this other coupon because we do try it and stay away from the couponing. But I really, truly believe it's, it's number one. I think it's the customer service, especially in Fort Collins.
0: Yeah. I, and I think all of those things are just so amazing what you guys are doing. And I love the, the getting out there and the community. And I know that you do like a yoga class, at least I think you do based on your social media and, um, mm-hmm. and as a side note, as I've looked at your social media, I noticed that you have galvanized steel around your bar, which is funny. That's how I built the podcast studios. Well, Use galvanized steel. <laughs> little did I know it yeah. echoes a little bit. I had to fix that with some soundboarding, but it, um, <laughs> but I love what you guys are doing. And so, I mean, what are these community events that you guys do? And, and I mean, you talked about it a little bit, but I mean, uh, let's sort of dive into it because I think that. You guys sort of have this twist on the, the normal sandwich and, and, and natural and good flavors and fresh and never frozen. So, I mean, you seem, at least I, I think so, that you sort of focus on the health and you focus on health yourselves and, and being healthy individuals and and sort of making sure that your food is local. So I mean, how do you go out in the community and promote yourselves in that way? I actually noticed you gave away a one month of a CrossFit gym membership. So I mean, obviously, Mm -hmm. you guys are really out there also promoting health. So tell me about that a little bit in the community.
1: Yeah, so it's kind of like what you just said, we really do center our concept around community. And it's kind of funny, because when we did set out to do this, we knew we wanted to do sandwiches. We wanted to have healthy food. We wanted to have really great beer. But building the community around our concept has—it just kind of morphed into it. I mean, we—it wasn't like, oh, we're going to do all these things. It just was like, oh, we should do a run club. Oh, we should do a fundraiser for our friend's nonprofit. We should do yoga at 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 Snack Attack, and it just—it just clicked. All these events just were things that I wanted to do that I wanted to host and it just kind of became our golden ticket, I guess you would say because it was stuff that we wanted to do anyways. And we still actually manage all of our events as well. So like some of the events we do, like I mentioned, we do the yoga, we do run clubs, we do bingo every Wednesday night where we feature local um, other local businesses we did a really fun Veterans Day fundraiser for our friends nonprofit called Bets for Life, where um, they Bets for Life, their goal is to enrich veterans' lives through physical fitness, group activities, hiking, and all these all these other group activities. So, you know, making these connections of, oh my gosh, we're on the same page. Let's let's do a fundraiser for you. And then that kind of morphed into um, like Fitness February, where, you know, January, people are all on their health goals. Well, February, people start to fall off. So I decided Fitness February, every week, it's, it was more of like, a go ahead and take a picture of what your fitness, whatever fitness you're doing, whether you're a runner, or you're doing yoga, or you're doing CrossFit, and you're going to get entered into a weekly drawing of whether we're giving away Lululemon leggings, or the CrossFit gym, Um, We did a pure bar giveaway and then also a month membership to a local yoga studio. So doing the whole cross marketing with other local companies has been extremely successful for as well, because, you know, we're all in this together. Um, If if all of us small businesses can link hands and help promote each other, it's it's a win-win for everybody. And, um, you know, we, We do consider ourselves an eco-friendly restaurant as well. As you know, it is very difficult to be um, super sustainable, but we do what we can. And part of that was we decided to link up with our local Lululemon store and do an Earth Day uh, clogging event, which means you run and pick up trash. And that was a big pivotal moment for us because it was something that I had been wanting to do for a good year. But being able to approach Lululemon, which is an international brand, and for them to say, oh my gosh, heck yes, let's do this. Let's make this an annual event. Let's get the city involved. We got so many other local businesses involved with us. And it was just such a fun day where we're actually able to go out and pick up trash in our community. And then, you know, to make, to be a restaurant and to have all these fun community events centered around that, uh, around us, it absolutely sets us apart from any
0: other place in town. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think there's, I, and I, I wish more food and beverage and nutrition entrepreneurs did this, which is actually go into their communities and make a difference through their businesses because one, it's great marketing for their business, but it also is the right thing to do. And you have an audience and you have the ability to do it. So why not do it? I think, We really, we have a chance to make a difference in people's lives. We have a chance to make a difference in our community. So why not do it? You know, why not take the time to do it? And why not have your business benefit from it?
1: Right. And such an example, right? You know, people may want to do it, but they may not have, I mean, let's be honest. Not a lot of people want to set up an event and not a lot of people know how to do that. So if you can create this platform or a space for people to do that, They
0: will come. I agree with that. And so let's, I'm going to switch topics a little bit here. So, I mean, obviously your parents had, had their business and their restaurant. So, I mean, have they come visited yours and, and I mean, what do they say? Because I mean, you've sort of followed in their footsteps, but created your own path.
1: Yeah. So Luckily, so my parents actually moved back to Colorado about six months before we did. And that was another reason why we had decided to move back to Colorado. And they thought we were crazy. I mean, my, my dad, he he was behind us the whole time. My mom, I think she was a little hesitant because their, their restaurant didn't, um, they had it for about three years and it didn't succeed. So I think for her, she was a little hesitant. I definitely know a lot of my other family members thought that we were crazy. They thought that we were stupid. I had, I know I had friends that were like, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> um, and if you know Sean or I, like we don't just, yes, we jump into things, but we, we, we know what we're doing and we knew we were going to succeed at it. And my parents have absolutely, since we opened, when, when they saw the concept come to life and they saw the space, I mean, my dad actually helped us paint the walls. So he was a big part of it. Um, They come out once every couple months. Um, They actually send people. They live down in Ridgeway, which is down by Telluride. And they are constantly sending people to come in. So um, they definitely stand behind us 100% now. Um, And kind of talking about the fristle from before. So we decided once a month, we're going to do a different sandwich. So instead of updating our menu on a seasonally basis or, you know, a quarterly basis, we decided we would just bring in a sandwich of the month. And we decided we were going to bring in the Fritzel, which is what my parents had specialized in with their restaurant called Fritzels, which is an Austrian style hot dog um, with grilled onions and a German style mustard on a thin breadstick and um, you can't get them anywhere. They are locally out of Denver lucky for us, but we decided, you know, this actually now, because it's our two year anniversary, the fristle is our two year anniversary down to the month. We'll bring it in for Oktoberfest because it's like, it pairs great with, um, with an Oktoberfest March and year. And so it's, it's a little ode to my parents and them really kind of paving the way and, and, where my life has ended
0: up. I think it's incredible. And I love that they're involved in it and that it's sort of come full circle and that you have sort of your, I, I'm going to use the word trophy, but it's not the word I'm using. It's its almost like their thing that it's part of your menu and it's, it sort of represents your past, but also mm-hmm. in your, in your future and in your present, which I, I absolutely love. And I'm not finding the right words for it, but It's really one of those Mm -hmm. things that it's just such a cool thing to do. And I bet they're they're, honored. I mean, it's like, what better way for an entrepreneur to honor their parents who are entrepreneurs than put something they created on their own menu?
1: Yeah, and they, you know, there's something really special, like, especially for me, because I grew up with them. All my friends that I grew up with, they freaking love the Fritzl. So if anybody... Like, knows what the fristle is, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know, you have to come in and try them because they are so freaking good. And for, uh, for me, I just feel lucky because now I just get to have fristle whenever I want.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, that being said, I mean, we've talked about where you guys have come from, where you are now, but, you know, what I mean, what is the future hope? What are your hopes and dreams for the businesses and, and or for the business and how? I mean, do you, do you want to grow it? Or are you happy with what you guys have? I mean, I mean, what really is, are your dreams for moving forward?
1: Yeah. So we, when we sat down and we wrote out our business plan, our plan was to own three to four snack attacks and then to eventually franchise out. And our goal was to open a second one within three to four years. Um, our goal was also to put in a patio, which we actually just poured the concrete uh, two days ago on our new patio extension. So being able to grow and expand into a patio space that if you've been to Fort Collins, if you know anything about Fort Collins, you know how important it is to have a patio that people can drink their beer and wine out on. So That was a huge, huge goal that we had set when we opened and, you know, not even two years later, here we are. We've got, we've reached that goal. We've got the concrete laid, we've got railings, hopefully coming in this next week. We've got our patio furniture on order. So that feels really good to have that in by our two year anniversary party, which is next weekend, which is Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then, you know, from there, this is going to bring in a ton of business. So I know we're going to have to readjust our business levels and our staffing levels. And we really want this summer to be like just a killer summer, a killer business and and kind of soak that in. And then next year start to focus on looking for another location, um, you know, building our brand even more, getting out into other markets. um, And just continuing this concept of snack attack and you know, we get so many customers that come in and they're like, you need to go, you need to open one of these here. You need to open one of these in Denver. You need to, you know, so looking at the next markets and just continuing the path that we're on where we just won, let's see, about a, a month ago, we won the small business of the year award through the chamber of commerce. And to me, that was such a huge moment, a huge, just a reward for all of our hard work that we've been doing, considering, you know, we didn't know anybody in town. We, our husband and wife, we are working day in and day out for all the sacrifices that we've made. And to receive that from a business entity um, within a community that is restaurant driven, that has the highest restaurant per capita, where restaurants are closing almost every single day, if not once a week, it just, it gave us, just some gratitude that we're on the right path, that we are doing something different and that people are, they're getting it. They're understanding what Snack Attack is. So that's, you know, as far as our successes, I, I feel really lucky to be where we are. And I'm really excited to see what the rest of the summer is going to look like and then what the next couple of years are going to look like.
0: And I mean, this may be a dumb question because I know the drinking age is 21, so you only get college juniors and seniors, but do you have fluctuation based on the summer months because there's no more college students in town, or is it sort of you get more business during the summer because it's hot outside and people drink beer and and want comfort food like sandwiches when it's hot outside?
1: No, that's actually a really good, valid question because we are located... So close to campus and we're actually on the bottom of a big student geared housing apartment, like apartment building. So within our apartment buildings that are above us next to us, there's 665 beds that are basically available for students. It's not student, total student geared, but it, it's, you know, CSU related. Um, it's not student housing is what I was trying to say. So that's the biggest kind of myth with us is people think because our name is Snack Attack, because it's fun and it's, you know, vibrant and it's, and it's young. People think that we're this like college hangout, but we're really not at all. I would say maybe 10% of our business comes from college students and the residents that live above us. So we, because we have higher quality food, because of our community events, um, just because of who we are, and it's a reflection of our branding. We draw in way more of the younger families, the working professionals, the um, the business people in town, because where we're located in Midtown, it was kind of a dead zone where now that we're there, we're, we're kind of bringing this whole area back to life, and there's a lot of redevelopment going on. Um, I think we're really lucky to be where we are because, Of all this redevelopment, there's going to be a new hotel that's going in down the street. Um, Just some other really cool things that are going on in the Midtown area. But yeah, last year, when summer came around, that was the biggest question we had was a lot of the other restaurants in town, because they are so close to campus, their summers are not good for them. Their business dips. For us, it was still our first year, so we continued to grow through summer. And um, right now we're still continuing to grow. So I think it's going to be, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens after we get through this summer to see where, where the business really falls. But, you know, we've heard it multiple times where we get families that come in and they are like, "We, we actually don't really go out until the students are gone. So a lot of the locals start coming out with their families in the summertime when the students are away.
0: I think that's uh, interesting, actually. And I got to imagine a lot of college towns are like that. It's more comfortable to go out when the college students aren't there because everything's a little bit quieter. I know in Milledgeville, Mm -hmm. Georgia, where we go, there's a college right there. And I was amazed. I was just there. And during the summertime, it seems like a lot more of the locals come into the downtown area versus... The college students or when the college students are there there's a more college students than locals so i gotta imagine it's probably the same but i love that the business is so focused on a market and and that your marketing and advertising and your goals and and your strategy is a higher quality food and therefore you don't have to deal with the seasonality of the college students if the college students come in great but if not you've built this business around not having the fluctuations, not having seasonality with them coming in and out of town.
1: Right. Exactly. And that, you know, when we, same thing, when we set this out, we, to be honest, we really thought, Oh, this is such a great location. We've got 665 kids that live above us. Oh, we could probably just bank on them coming in. And then, you know, this younger generation is so difficult to, get their attention and they've got short attention spans and they're on their phones and they're not really looking around them and they're, you know, the socialization is very different and we did try to market to them for a good, for the good first year, but it just, it didn't pay off for us, you know, like couponing, you really want to try and stay away from that, so we did some couponing types of programs and it, it just didn't work for us. Um, I do think it is important to try a little bit to get them because yes, it's like icing on the cake, but they're going to come and go, you know, you some of them you may not even have for four years. A lot of times they'll be there for four years and then they move away. And then you have this turn period of specifically with the residents, they move in, they're there for a year and then they move out and then you get a whole nother round of kids moving in that you have to re you have to restart all over with them. So for for us, I would say that's a, a big challenge is, you know, keeping these kids informed of who we are and, and what we do and keeping their attention. But we've done types of couponing with them. We've done digital coupons. We've done email coupons. We've gone door to door. Uh, we have a sidewalk sign that's located right outside of their building. And still, some of them, they just they just walk by. They have no idea that we're there.
0: I think one of the things and obviously business school that's stuck in my head and I've learned it for real and it's probably why it's stuck in my head is, and it's true in this case, is it's a lot easier to keep an existing customer than it is to obtain a new one. And if college students mm-hmm. are in, are, even if it's every four years, let's say, are are rotating out, even though they like the sandwiches every four years, that student is a lost customer because they're moving out of Fort Collins in your case. And so tr- then you have to spend all the money in marketing to try to obtain a new customer in their place. So there's fluctuation there. So, And I agree with you on on signage and stuff like that and advertising and, and billboards and, and anything across the board. And I do want to talk about this a little bit just to entrepreneurs that are out there because I can tell you that stuff is less and less working with the newer generations. They don't pay attention mm-hmm. to anything that's not on their phone. And even at that yeah. if you if you don't catch that one and a half seconds of attention right away up front, you've lost them It's not like you know TV where we used to watch it and an advertisement would come on, and you'd maybe give it like ten seconds before you'd flip the channel if it was good enough no, I mean it's literally that quick it's one second attention gone on to the next thing, and it's hard for a business to do that and so I think what you're doing is great. One, you're creating an environment. Two, you're going out in the community. Three, you have healthier options and, and more what I'll call upscale sandwiches. And mm-hmm. I think you're capturing people permanently. So it's it's a great thing. And so Lauren, I really love what you guys are doing and in the business model and it should be celebrated. I'm so happy for you guys to get that award award. It's well-deserved and to do it with something like sandwiches. I, I, again, there's so many sandwich chains out there. Your Jimmy John's, your firehouse subs and all that, and subways and all that. I feel that they've kind of manufactured the sandwich and made it so ordinary. Mm-hmm. I know they try to do yeah. nice things and whatever, but it's not really, I don't know how to describe it. They skim on it more and more to make higher profit and they don't stick to the same thing. And, you know, as an entrepreneur in food, I get the monetary side, but it's disappointing to see, you know, what they do, to their sandwiches once they become popular. And, um, But I really love that you guys are sort of gone into the market, gone after it. I mean, sandwiches are almost as competitive as the pizza market and that you found your own niche and are finding success in it. So I really do love what you're doing. And I also love that your dream of like four to five that you own yourself and then go into franchising because, you know, at some point you can only keep track and perfect your business so much, but a way of growing you know, and the way I mentor people is exactly that get four to five on your own, and then you got to look to franchise because any more than that you can't possibly manage, even if you have a corporate structure, it gets pretty mm-hmm. difficult. And mm-hmm. why not let other people who want to be entrepreneurs in their own right op- in that way open up a franchise and have ownership in those franchises but promote your business model? So I just wanted to mm-hmm. touch upon that as well. So, I mean, I mean, what do you want to tell the audience? I sort of want to give you the stage. And if there's anything that you wanted to share about being an entrepreneur or or your experience that you think would help people, I mean, what would it be?
1: Oh, man. Well, I would say, you know, if you have a dream, go for it. Um, There's never going to be a perfect time. But if it's something that is truly in your heart, you know, you're super passionate about it. you, You never know until you try. Um, another piece of advice is don't give up, you know, keep on trying, um, know that it is really freaking hard that you are having days that you just want to close up shop and you want to walk away, but then you have the next day that comes around and it's a freaking killer day. So, you know, on the business side, on the entrepreneur side, knowing that every single entrepreneur goes through the highs and the lows, all, we all do it together, we fail. Um, we have wins. We have days that are stagnant. Um, it's probably one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life, but it's also been the most rewarding. And, I mean, I don't know. If you're in Fort Collins, come come visit us. If you haven't been in yet, you're going to have one of the best sandwiches of your life, and you're going to leave with a smile on your face, and you actually probably will leave with a new friend as well. And we're just so fortunate to be where we are and so So filled with so much gratitude for support from our community and fellow business owners and other small businesses. And, you know, as I say, like in parenting, it takes a village, but I think that it actually holds very true with the business world. You know, if we all could support each other, we're all going to win. If there's too much competition between each other, you're just bringing yourself down. So I definitely would recommend if you're not doing any, type of partnerships with any of your local businesses. I think you got to get on that. I think that's a huge, huge opportunity and just keep going, you know, just keep working, keep trying and keep your head up and stay true to your, stay true to your concept and your brand. I think that's another part of it is staying true to who you are.
0: And I, I think that's so true. The willingness to fail, but also the willingness to go out there and just be vulnerable and Connect with other business people in the community And learn from each other I mean we're all out mm-hmm. there There's so many food businesses and beverage businesses And nutritious businesses in your communities um, That anyone who's listening in Or or wherever you are That it only makes sense to learn from each other You know and it's one of the reasons I do the podcast Because I'm like why not Let people to tell their stories And their experiences to help other entrepreneurs To really boost the food and beverage world And what we're seeing and help out entrepreneurs that are willing to help other people, because that's really, you know, so important. And I will tell you that there are about, I would say it's as high as 70%. If I were to guess of the people that either ask to be on the podcast or want to be on the podcast and their sole purpose is to promote themselves and not, Mm -hmm. and not help other people. And, and obviously I want, The person coming on to promote themselves because that's the whole point of of Mm -hmm. of being in business is you want to promote yourself but if you're not willing to help other people or help in your community i know as an entrepreneur my own experience that if you don't do that and you're not willing to go out and create jobs or or help your community or connect with other entrepreneurs in your community You may have some success and and by success, I'm going to define it as you're profitable, but you're not going to have the well-rounded success, which is profit, fulfillment, truly large growth in your business and changing Mm -hmm. people's lives for the better. Because that is such Mm -hmm. a huge piece and it's what you're doing really. I mean, you're bringing communities together. You're offering people yoga. You're offering people friendship and experience and you're going out of your communities to do it and, and running around picking up trash, which I love. I think that's an amazing idea. And it's, um, it's just makes sense, right? If I'm going to run, maybe I should just run and pick up trash, you know, or ride my bike. Why not ride my bike and pick up trash? I just running is probably a little bit easier than mounting and unmounting a bike. I that I just said that, but, but I just love what you guys are doing. And, I think it's so great and I can't tell you how much I appreciate you being vulnerable and coming on the show and sharing your guy's story and what you guys are doing. I think it's awesome. And I really would Mm -hmm. love to have you guys back on the show in a few months and continue to tell your story, you know, whether it's a, you know, a year from now or a few months from now, I want to hear how you're growing and and about your business. And I really want to continue to tell the audience your story. And so that, that kind of brings me to my last question. And my last question is this, because you're basically a family of entrepreneurs. Your parents obviously modeled something for you of what it is to be a husband and wife and be in business together. So I'm sure that helps as well. But really, how do you guys find time because you're running a business full time, you and your husband to mm-hmm. find time for yourselves and enjoy yourselves and make sure that you also make that personal time.
1: Ooh, kind of question. Um I think there's some sacrifice, you know, that's a big part of it. Um we stick to our schedule. You know, we we're both there at the shop every almost every day. My husband is there still seven days a week. I'm there about four, but I'm also doing the events and I'm doing a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. Um, I think, you know, knowing that in order to get all of our work done, we're getting up early and we're going to bed late. So there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that's going on. Like, you know, we come home and we hang out with each other and we have dinner with each other and then we put our son down and then we hop on a podcast at eight o'clock at night yeah. and we're yeah. doing accounting at eight o'clock at night and we're going to bed around 11, 1130, or we're getting up early at like five forty-five, 45. And um, also making a point, like putting something on the schedule, like we're really good about scheduling meetings, but also putting things on the schedule. Like this after Saturday, after you get off work, we're going to go hang out with our friends over here. And um, I guess just, Making priorities, knowing that, you know, obviously snack attack is a huge priority, but also our family life and uh, learning to turn it off when we can. Um, But sometimes our best conversations are done at the dinner table and knowing, you know, what that's totally okay because that's our lifestyle. This is this is what we're living, breathing, sleeping, bleeding snack attack. And but it's just who we are. It's not it's not like work. So sometimes it is hard to turn it off. Um, Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't, but it just seems to work for us right now.
0: And so one of the things you're really good at speaking and and sort of marketing your, your guy's business and obviously you live it, but you, you, you tie it all together very well. So, but one of the things as we wrap up this episode, I really want to compliment you on is you're a great communicator, even over the emails and stuff, you respond quickly. And, and even if it isn't quickly, you respond, you know, within a timely manner or when you say you will, or get back to people and, and really jumped on the opportunity to be on the podcast and just do it, to do it and share your story and help out other people but also promote your business. Like I said, which is a piece of it. But I really just, if I were to give a takeaway, my first takeaway Um, from you and from your business for this podcast for people at the end would be that is communication is such a vital part of your business. So you've got to learn how to do it and you do it both through social media, through the videos you sort of record. Um, and I believe on Instagram TV, I can never remember ITV or whatever it's IGTV. And it's, it's, and then when, you know, the emails go back and forth, you're, you're great at it. And then even just being so comfortable and familiar with your business that you can talk about it so easily on this podcast. And before we know it, you know, an hour and 15 minutes have gone by. And I think that's so incredible. So that'd be definitely number one. So I'll give a compliment there. Number two, number two is for anyone in the audience is that you guys stuck and found success because you stuck what is true to you and what's true to Mm -hmm. you in, in sandwiches and and beer. And you sort of took a risk, but the whole way you didn't pivot away from who you guys were and what you believed in. And I think that's so important. And you said yourself when you were talking about if you had advice for anyone is that you need to be true to yourself and you need to believe in what you're doing. And there's no other time to do it than now there's never a great time. And I think that's Mm -hmm. so true because if you really stick to what you believe in and what you're passionate about, you will never get bored with your business ever Mm -hmm. because you're, Mm -hmm. you're living it. You're living you and you're living your relationship and you're living each other. And I think that's so important. And, and even if you're a solo entrepreneur, um, you know, it's still true. You got to stay true to what your life is because otherwise, you're going to be resentful and you're going to start to regret things and you're not going to be passionate about it after, after some time. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing I love about what you guys have done is you're willing to go out in your communities and connect with the people. And I think that's so important and you stay true to your concept and didn't try to tweak it to attract in college students. You stuck to it and you also stuck to what you found successful which is going out in your community and doing things like i said the by uh the running and the picking up trash and the connection with lululemon and all these things that make you guys unique in your community and so i think that's amazing as well um and that you're willing to obviously do a podcast at 8 p.m at night and we're still on at 9 20 p.m and so it's uh It's one of those things, just that dedication and, you know, it is a microcosm of what actually you guys are doing with your business. I can tell by just talking to you and just being an entrepreneur for as long as I have. And so... Mm -hmm thank you guys for taking the time to be on the podcast and thank you guys for sharing your story. Um, and as we wrap up, I just want you to, to take a little time and again, tell people where they can find you guys on social media and online and, and where you guys are actually located in Fort Collins.
1: Sure. Well, thank you so much again for having us on. Um, I, you know, we love to do this kind of stuff. We love talking about it. We love sharing our message, our concepts, um, and just making people aware of who we are. You know, we like I said, this is an original concept and not everybody knows what Snack Attack is. So hopefully as the years progress, that people will know it'll become a staple. Um, but as far as spot, uh, finding us, we are in Midtown, Fort Collins. We are just south of Colorado State University on College and Stewart. Our address is 120 West Stewart Street. And our address or our email address is www.snackattackit.com. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, Snapchat at Snack Attack It. And we do delivery too. So delivery, catering, pickup orders, online orders. We do all that kind of stuff. Um, we also have a mobile trailer unit. So if there's, um, you know, a big event like we do the the big festivals, we will be doing uh, Tour de Fat. So we have our mobile sandwich unit that we can come and set up. And we really just want to spread the love of Snack Attack. Like I said, it's just a fun concept. We want people to eat healthy, live a healthy lifestyle um, and, you know, have fun doing it
0: now i love that you guys have a mobile unit and we didn't even touch upon that so i'm actually going to make a note so we definitely talk about it in the catering when you guys come back on the episode i want to make a note to do that and even invite your husband to be on and and tell his part of the story as well i think that would be interested to to tell the the other side if you will
1: um He's here. He's listening in the background,
0: <laughs> so uh, he can critique <laughs> could critique later and and better on the next episode. I guess I'm sure it's not that way. Yeah. I'm, I'm joking around, but
1: well, well when when you said that I was a really good communicator, I thought that was funny. I looked at him and I was like, "See, I'm a really good communicator."
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Believe me, I'm I'm a, I'm probably a great communicator all the time. Except in my own home, uh, I get that one a, a lot as well. So. It's just one of those things, right? Um, yeah. But I really do think that you guys have something special. So I do want to continue the story. And, I, uh, you know, what comes to mind in, in sort of a joking manner is the mobile attack because you have a mobile food unit. And you can go mm-hmm. attack anywhere. And it's just pretty cool what right. you guys have done. And and we didn't even, we got kind of into the name and I'm going to make a note of it also, but I really love the name of your business. Um, I think it's so well done and it's so attractive and it, it does, you know, you're like snack attack. What, you know, what does it mean? Is it snacks? But once you actually really dive into it, because you are curious what the snacks are and realize that it is sandwiches, I think it kind of pulls you in and, i mean it's what attracted me to you guys and wanting to reach out to you guys to be on the podcast so i think that's great as well so thank you guys so much for for being on both of you and um and and we'll we'll do it again because i i think it's awesome and anyone who's listening in they can find uh, me at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs on Instagram and Facebook, or Justin at Entrepreneurs dot com if you want to be on the show. And again, Lauren, thank you guys again. I know I keep thanking you, but I really did enjoy the episode with you guys and and thought it was awesome. And and really, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, think you guys have something amazing going on as food entrepreneurs, and you know, keep thank it you. up because we need inspiration like you guys in this world. So. Thank you for everyone for listening in, and uh, everyone have a great night. Thank you.